When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Season 4 of Comic Book Nation, your one-stop spot for all things geek culture and the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I'm back in the studio with my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up? What up? And we almost had a trifecta today, guys. We almost had everybody back outside, but unfortunately, you know, the vid is still lurking out here, guys, even though it's summer. Apparently, we're, we're making better and better strains, and so we can't even relax in summer. So while she is still okay for now, Janelle Wheeler had to kind of uh, stick back at home because she's had a close bump, possibly with COVID. And we are, uh, we're wishing you all the best, Janelle. So far, so good, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Over there. yeah, I'm hanging in there. I'm just, I'm so jealous I'm not in the studio, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy day here in Nashville. It is CMA Fest. Yeah, and it is. Heart, and then part of that big festival is, of course, us, Comic Book Nation, the centerpiece of this whole thing, right? So uh, as we uh, store like, CMA we're like Fest. Nelly and Florida Georgia Line, we're like bringing some like hip hop to this. Oh, look at that. <laughs> there you go. And there you have it. So as we sit here in downtown Nashville and hold down CMA Fest, we are also going to do our geek thing because I you know the Venn diagram of that is so close over. But we have so much to talk about. And this is why we are your one stop spot for all things geek culture. Days like today. Guys, we got to talk about on the movie front. I had to break this down in our tweet and just like really look at it. So on the movie front today, we're going to be talking about Jurassic World Dominion, the Black Adam trailer, news that Joker 2 is coming, and even crazier news that we're finally getting that Marvel's Thunderbolt movie. On the TV side, we have to review Mrs. Marvel Episode 1, The Boys Episode 4, Obi-Wan Episode 4. Oh, and we are called Comic Book Nation, so we also have a whole comic book thing. We had a whole video game thing to go with this, but uh, like I said, that vid lurking and things, we had to make some last minute changes. So, but starting next week, we're gonna have even more gaming content coming yep. to the show. That's so right. we're hitting all sides of the uh, of the culture here. So let's start at the top. And as we laid it out, so we don't kill our producers, Dom Jurassic World Dominion is hitting theaters as we speak. Um, I got out and got to see Jurassic World Dominion a little early this week. And I will say this about it. Jurassic World Dominion very much, as I tweeted, is the Jurassic Park 3 of this franchise. I know that Jurassic World has gone to great lengths to imitate the Jurassic Park movie franchise, you know, throughout its run. So why stop now? But uh, if you remember Jurassic Park 3, it was very much this kind of B-movie romp that brought back uh, Sam Neill's Alan Grant and kind of played on that whole nostalgia of the first movie by basically just kind of doing a more like low rent version of Jurassic Park. <laughs> and basically that's what Jurassic World Dominion is. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. It's just a very much a B movie that is kind of a low rent Jurassic World and brings back the original cast to kind of spice things up and add a little more flavor. Um, I will say the big draw is for people is seeing the original cast of, you know, uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern and, and uh, Jeff Goldblum coming back. 
And they're fun. They're certainly fun in this movie. They, the movie's structure and kind of story premise, I think, are a little different than you might expect. And, and they're somewhat disappointing because in a thing, this is this film that says it's Jurassic World Dominion, right? The big yeah. twist at the end of the second one is the dinosaurs are now out in the wild. They're not on an island. And yet this movie, in some ways, is the smallest of all of them because it really does restrict most of the story to not even like a park, but like an island research facility that's just like out there that is kind of trying to create this dinosaur preserve. And that's where most of the action takes place. Really? Yeah. Oh. And it's kind of a weird, it's not out in the world. It's not like examining how dinosaurs are out in the world and all these set pieces. Yeah, it's kind of a weird bait and switch in this movie. Like it all takes place. Everything you're kind of seeing in these trailers right here is either wow. one half of the story is the Jurassic World characters, Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, and their new character who's awesome. I forget her name, but she's awesome. The pilot getting to this facility. And the other half of the story is set at the facility with the original cast members having come to this facility and being able to find out it's not what they think it is and kind of rebelling. And then the two stories kind of meet in the third That's surprising. act. Yeah, so it's really a small, like I said, kind of B movie. And it's almost all set on oh, this yeah. island research facility. And so it, it, it kind of tricks you there, but like, yeah. It's it's very small. The set pieces are kind of small and like not a lot happens in terms of like character arcs or anything. And this is certainly kind of a weird whimper of an end to the larger trilogy, because I don't know that any of the, there is a big larger arc or point to this whole thing. I don't think anything is solved or anything like revolutionary is figured out. It's just like, yes, we've experienced dinosaurs some more. Wouldn't it be cool if we could all just kind of like live together? But like that like, scene <laughs> with the, we just saw the pterodactyl like flying around the building. That like the whole concept of this was so, that's what was yes. awesome about the end of the last one. Exactly, right? Yeah. So it's so like, weird yes. that they don't. Well, yes. And so a lot of it is just kind of stock news footage of them <sighs> saying, here's how dinosaurs. So it's a lot of like CNN recreations where you see scenes like that, where it's like, what do we do about dinosaurs? And they're living in like the Sears Tower now and like, so a lot of that is just news footage from around the world. What a and there's the first act has basically them going to try to, while the world, Jurassic World characters are finding their way and figuring out this island facility is there, they have to go into like the underworld of the new dino trade and kind of figure out things. So it's a little bit of a mission impossible. Okay, so that, that's interesting. Yeah, and so like, and that's the scene you see like Chris Pratt and the Raptors and chasing him down the street. That's all just like one of the first or second act parts. And so, yeah, that's that's there is some of that. But like when you really get down to it, most of this movie is set on this bio research facility in, in this island. So. Question, question. Yeah. Should we see this in the theaters? I'm not going to get too hard. I know film Twitter has been kind of crapping on Jurassic World, okay. but Dominion, you think but, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to go that hard. I think it's a fine popcorn movie. I like gotcha. Jurassic World three. I like okay. it better than The Lost World because it is just a stupid another dinosaur wow. movie, B movie. So like, and I like that stuff. So this wasn't bad and it's not like, it's not terrible. Like at moment to moment, it's a good popcorn entertaining movie. But like when you're talking about the larger majesty of what Jurassic Park was and what it set up, I think I read one review that kind of nailed it on the head by saying like, this movie is just like, you, it, it's clear by now that these movies are product, right? Like they're, they're yes. just product. And this okay. one feels the most like a product. 
Like mm. somebody in the studio was like, okay, how do we get the most? And like the dinosaurs don't feel like the centerpiece and the wonderment of dinosaurs doesn't feel like the centerpiece. This is like a very, let's bring back some high profile humans and have them run around and like do stuff. And oh, <laughs> we bump into a dinosaur here and we bump into a dinosaur there. And it's kind of like, okay, but like, yeah. What happened? So, okay, so I need to know one thing because Blue and that whole little story has been like one of my favorite things about the new movies. Mm -hmm. Is there anything worth, like, do I get some little nugget of, oh, that's amazing. Like, do I get some little heartfelt yeah, there thing? Is a, there okay. is a whole thing. There's an arc with Blue, but it, it, it bookends the kind of movie because, like I said, there's stuff, there's a status quo at the beginning that's like where the Jurassic World characters are after the last film. Then something happens that makes them have to go to this facility and, and seek out. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a quest that gets set okay. up. And so Blue is kind of on the other end, either end of that quest. And so, okay. but Blue is very much a part of the story in a way. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. But that's Jurassic World Dominion. I don't want to disappoint anybody. It's still good popcorn entertainment. Hit the theater. Turn off your brain. It's one of those, like, mm -hmm. yeah, go turn off your brain and don't question like the minute to minute thing because there is some just kind of the baseline enjoyment of this, like scary uh -huh. dinosaur. It's so disappointing. Scary. Yeah, but, uh, and there's some callbacks and fun stuff. Like, like I still want to see it. I agree with some people in the chat. Like, I want to see it, mm -hmm. but I won't like break myself having to like go to the theater. There's like, nothing, if it pops up on streaming. And I'm no okay. offense to director Colin Trevorrow, who I, whose work I do enjoy, but there is nothing cinematic so cinematic about this that's like it's not top gun like i don't say go you gotta go see this on like imax and there's all these sequels like no i mean there's the dinosaur stuff isn't good enough to like be like oh. mm -hmm. yeah it's not cinematic it's b movie it's just like little scenes <laughs> of dino head sticking out here you know what i mean speaking so. of cinematic yeah <laughs> Black good Adam? segue yeah good well, segue. well hold on you're getting ahead of yourself i also saw lightyear y'all oh. i've been a busy week so i saw lightyear but we're not going to get into that but I did see Lightyear and I took my little four-year-old and oh, he and oh. he really loved it. And again, Lightyear is also not what you might expect. It's a little more sci-fi than I thought. Like there's some heady sci-fi stuff in there, but uh, pretty enjoyable. We'll do a full review on Lightyear next week when it's hitting theaters. But I uh, saw that too. It's been a busy week. You might need to get Charlie and uh, I know he loved Charlie it. was there. Yeah, Charlie yeah, was there. It. My son was like, who is? <laughs> my son briefly met Charlie. I was like, who is that? I was like, son, that's a whole other story. All right. Um, but uh, yes, thank you for the segue. Now, moving from Jurassic World Dominion, Matt, what was our other big movie event? The Rock. Yeah. The most electrified man on television and in movies and tequila and everything else now. Uh, Black Adam. It's finally, we finally have a Black Adam trailer. And I, I was impressed i don't know i came away pretty pretty hyped for this i what do you think you don't look as sold oh no me. i i was okay. i was very much impressed by this trailer remember i i've been like you know backstory we've all been hurt i said in the chat we've all been real hurt <laughs> matt had covid i was down with this crazy infection i had to have a tooth ripped out of my head like it's been kind of a what? crazy blur of a couple yeah it's all oh <laughs> but uh there's yeah yeah i was uh i was dying a tooth was trying to take me out but anyway oh no so we've all, it's been kind of a blur of a week or two. I don't know yes. how long it's been, but uh, yeah, Black Adam. I kind of missed this when it hit, like, and I've just been trying to get on my feet this week. But uh, I, I watched this last night and was like, oh yeah, no, this is official. Like I'm in, I'm in for this. It looks good, man. Yeah. And I mean, everyone's hyped about not even just Black Adam, right? Because everyone's hyped about the JSA and some of the stuff coming out from here. But I just thought 
it fit like the to look at that shot. Uh, some of now here's the thing. Some of this is stuff we actually have already seen. We saw some of this in like the little DC trailer yeah, before everything went yeah. nuts. <laughs> we saw that trailer, uh, but like this. Oh yeah. my God, it's Hawkman, son. When when the Hawk people are done right, I I adore them. This scene made me laugh. There's so many just like fun little things. It does kind of feel like a rock DC movie oh, with yeah. stuff like that. It very much feels that way. But I was pumped, man. No, I this think is, this looks good. This is what I like. This just feels like good B movie, like superhero B movie. And not. And I don't say that in any kind of bad way. It's just pure genre pulpiness with a rock kind of hamming it up in the best way. And like, yeah, you see things like Aldous Hodge and like as Hawkman looks awesome. And just the the little the cinematography and the photography in this just shots already are classic like him yeah. lighting up that mountainside with the lightning or this flying scene. through those jets yeah and even like even funny moments like this like him catching a rocket like all of this looks so polished and good that like yeah i, I mean the rock i know is at least going to put together a competent movie experience yeah. i mean he's like the successor to tom cruise right like the man just does ungodly things to himself, no pun, just to make sure yeah. we get at least an entertaining movie out of this. So, yeah, and Pierce Brosnan's Doctor Fate, like the casting, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really in for all of this stuff. Yeah, it also just hits that I love the scene in the air with the two jets, yeah, because that is mm -hmm. so. If you're gonna capture like who Black Adam is in one scene, I felt that scene did it really well. It's like, oh, who are these two jets in my? All right, you would assume anyway that's his territory. He's very territorial about his country. And if they're in there and he looks at them and just like, no. And he just, just slaps it. He slaps it. Yeah, wing. he doesn't even hit it. He slaps the wing. And doesn't yeah. break his stride. He just keeps flying straight. I love that. I thought that if we get a lot of stuff like that, it'll be it'll be great. I'm pumped, man. Yeah, and I think they're going to do a good job of nailing like the kind of Black Adam that we like even in the, um, what's your name? Uh, what's his name? Who Bendis, Justice League. Like the kind of, the complicated anti-hero yeah. who's that line like heroes don't kill people where Hawkman's just trying to like train him on like what's going on in the modern age he's like well i do <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part of the trailer yeah, honestly I mean, that's a great yeah. line i mean it's hard to pull off there it is and but the rock does you know nail it and like yeah and it looks like it's not without humor just like him <laughs> shots of and i love people who understand that superhero stuff like wide shots of stuff happening like a guy flying across the city because he got flung by black adam this is great so yeah, Black Adam looks like a lot of fun. This was not high on my DC movie list this year, but uh, I mean, it is now, so Same. makes me feel okay. It's real. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's happening. There was so it's actually long. actually happening. How many years <laughs> did we talk about this movie? Oh, God. Yeah, Since and he I teased it. started the pod. Right, honestly. yeah. It's, it's cool <laughs> to see it happen. This is very like Duke Nukem Forever vibes, yeah, <laughs> but it looks good. <laughs> And, and I'm kind of hopeful about like even getting this and Shazam in the same year instead of like yeah. Flash and stuff. It makes me feel better. Like the Shazam yeah. verse over here looks like it could be could be pretty fun. Could be good for right now. So Black mm. Adam, I'm I'm about it. All right, I'll more Black the, Adam comics, please. <laughs> I don't know you. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, there is speaking of there is a Christopher Priest Black Adam book miniseries that is the first issue was phenomenal. So we will be reading that when that releases. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so Let's go. Yeah, I love good. that. It's really good. Anyway, continue. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see. Is our Twitch stream? It faltered for a minute there? Yeah. Oh, it man. did, I, but it's back up. So if anybody's watching, yeah. just refresh the window. No wonder our YouTube, you know, our YouTube viewers are good too. You guys can hop on. I directed there. everybody to the YouTube. I was like, hey, bounce over. Yeah, here. nobody's paying <laughs> us. Nobody's paying us. So you can go wherever you want to stream. None of them are paying us. All right. Uh, sorry about that. So 
The next bit of news that we got to get to was Joker. Your favorite movie. Speaking of things that are finally actually happening, Joker 2 is actually happening. Joker, Folie à deux. That's the best French I got. That's good. That's Folie good. à deux. Yeah, they grabbed my mouth for a while there and I said enough of this French stuff. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I got that much out. So we are getting a Joker 2. It's officially happening. Um, you know, it said that Joaquin Phoenix is currently negotiating the bag for that. And he's got a baby now. So, you know, that changes things. That dump truck full of money always changes things when you have kids. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Todd Phillips shared a picture of the script, which, you know, we had heard and been rumored that he was working on. But he has confirmed it is done. And... Folia Adu is a psychiatric syndrome where two or more people begin to share delusions. And so we've talked about, I mean, this whole concept of a joke or two, I think back in the COVID days, we had to build a whole show around crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> should joke or two happen. But um, now it seems like we're aging like fine wine because here we are. But uh, yeah, there is possibility to do this right. And I think Phillips and Phoenix have said, I mean, they're not probably interested in doing a kind of linear sequel. They're kind of interested in probably messing with our minds again and giving us a yeah. whole nother kind of version of Joker or Arthur Fleck in an origin story or somebody else who's also claiming to be Joker out there. You know, there's a lot of ways to go with this. After seeing what DC has done with books like Three Jokers, there's nothing that's really off the table. That's true. Yeah. And Todd Phillips has been kind of the guy they've been looking to to get basically like a version of DC's Black Label onto the screen. Because um, Joker was arguably the first successful test monkey for that. And so, yeah, there's a lot of ways they could go. And I'm kind of interested. I would love them to just do something that completely messes with you about the first movie and basically gives us even another kind of almost like anthology version of how Joker could come to be or like whatever is happening or two oh, Jokers. Man. Like, yeah. An anthology is interesting. I, okay, so. I didn't even think of that approach. And that would be really, I would be down for that. I wasn't as high on the original Joker as like everybody, as a lot of people, I won't say everybody, but a lot of people were. I, I still it was enjoyed great, it. I thought it was great, but I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I didn't watch it again, but I thought it was great. Like I they did a great it's job. It's hard but... to rewatch, but when you do, it is actually really good. Like when you yeah. watch it, it's, it's, it's actually a really good movie. And like, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix really did a good job. Are you pumped for this, Janelle? I mean, this is your favorite character. Yeah, I am. I'm a little I think I've done this to myself. I've burned myself out a little bit. I've mm -hmm. talked about it on like Batman and Joker content. And now that I've expanded my horizons and I'm starting to get like more familiar with other characters and heroes and villains, it, I, I'm I have no problem with it. It's not something that I'm like, oh, I'm more excited about Black Adam. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I would not have thought that yeah. a year ago. We I've went. learned a lot, though. I'm expanding. No, it's amazing. My repertoire. Though. And you're not <laughs> wrong. It's not like DC doesn't put out 90 Batman things and yeah. 90 Joker things every month. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that stuff sells. So I get it. <laughs> no, when you no don't shame. read the comics, like if you are a casual, you know, fan yeah. and you're not reading the comics, and you're maybe not watching like animated stuff. It doesn't feel like too much. Right. But when you do work in all those other things, plus you throw like video games on top of that or like yeah. action figures, things that like I'm just you know, starting to get into, it does get, it's like, wow, okay, there's a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. No, for but, sure. Yeah, I think yeah. Joker 2 will depend on like what, when we find out like what the concept is for yeah. this, yeah. Like what the premise yeah. is. Yeah. So, Agreed. All right, we're not going to spend too much time on that. Uh, the other things, and we didn't link this because we're so prepared, but we're getting a <laughs> Thunderbolts movie, y'all. Yeah. 
So, like, yeah, after theories upon theories upon theories, <laughs> you know, you... Jake Schreer will be directing. Yeah, Jake Schreer will be directing Marvel's Thunderbolts movie. Uh, Black Widow's uh, Eric Pearson is writing the script, and that's all literally we know yep. about, about, about this thing. But I think more people were just celebrating the fact that we're, at, at least if everything holds together, we're getting a Thunderbolts movie yeah. in the MCU. And that's, that's huge. And especially when you start looking at the lineups over the years, Oh yeah, it really assembles a group of characters that a lot of them either stole the show in the MCU or we haven't gotten enough of. Right. Yeah. So like Taskmaster, people want to see that, like there's a very split decision on how that character was used in Black Widow. Oh, People yeah. would like to see more development. Well, here's your perfect way to do that, right? Ghost yep. stole the and show. Mantle, and so Ghost. you're able to, Wilson Fisk has been, a, has been kind of maneuvering around the Thunderbolts. Uh, characters like Norman Osborn, obviously, who knows what the Zemo. Sony deal. Yeah, Zemo's another Free one, right? Zemo. So there's back. so many characters that this kind of circles around and everyone would just love to see them do something. And now mm -hmm. you have your perfect thing. Yeah. Plus the concept is fun. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's one of two things that we know Marvel's been kind of slowly stringing together in MCU phase four, right? The other thing is Young Avengers. We've yeah. had those characters steadily just plip plopping out, including this <laughs> Marvel right now. And the other one is the, ta is the Thunderbolts characters mm. who are, you know, Marvel's been teasing for years, like characters like Ghost from, yeah. you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp. And, you know, yeah, then we saw U.S. Agent, Falcon mm -hmm. and the Winter Soldier. Tim Roth's Abomination is yep. steadily being brought back into the mix and everywhere from Shang-Chi to She-Hulk. And you're like, and why? You're well, like, now, why? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so what is, I mean, and that's a perfect T-Hulk, like whatever. I mean, in She-Hulk, it looks like he's fighting his own court case and Jennifer Walters will defend him and maybe even get him off and like get him out. Jesus. Um, and like basically, yeah, I mean, there's another character, right? Yeah. And so... Yeah, there's a lot of people who are kind of being maneuvered in vows at the center of this. And why do you get, Ju you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus to do something like this? Unless you're going to have her yeah. play a pivotal part well, yeah. in something. And yeah, it really pulls her, a lot of those yeah. threads And together. I would love to see her, even if they just copy Suicide Squad. I mean, finally getting Marvel to do something like Suicide Squad a little better uh, would be okay. And like... I mean, not to crap on the Suicide Squad, which I love, but I'm saying as a mainstream mm -hmm. connective piece, right? And so, like, yeah, having Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus be the Amanda Waller, this would be hilarious. Because she'll yeah. just be yeah. kind of well, much fun. Love that. And then you throw in the thing, right, of that if they stick with the original premise, like, over the years, the team has essentially just become a Merc squad. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> occasionally they go back to that original thing of these were masquerading as heroes to try and put forth a villainous plot. And then they pretty much succeed. They get so over as heroes that they end up, half of them want to stick to what their original plan was. The other half are like, no, we like being heroes. And you have this fun kind of dysfunctional mix with this team. And that's what makes this interesting because a lot of the characters we're pulling in, right? Especially if like Abomination, that whole court case thing plays out. Does he want to go straight? You know, does he want to be like, I'm going to I'm actually just going to be an upstanding citizen. I'm not going to do this stuff. And then you have other characters who are like, no, nah, I want to screw with things. That's a fun mix to put together. Yeah. So I like it. Um, I know we're all feeling the loss of William Hurt right about now. Yeah. yeah. Thunderbolt Ross. But I mean, they could conceivably also recast Thunderbolt Ross. It's not they impossible, could. especially if you're going to go Red Hulk with it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this is just fun. I think there are in skipping the Civil War II mess of it all. I think there is a clear path where 
the <laughs> MCU can use one of these to kind of catalyze the other, which is like, okay, the, you do Thunderbolts, but you do like government trying to make their own Avengers yeah. who are not very scrupulous, but they're trying to sell them and brand them kind of like the boys almost. Yeah. Uh, and then the reaction to that would be a group of young disillusioned kind of heroes, almost like the start of champions being like, screw this. This is, this is yeah. not cool. Like this is not Avengers. And, you know, people like Kate Bishop and Kamala Khan mm -hmm. certainly look at something like Thunderbolts and be like, oh, hell no, and form their own team, yeah. which will be Young Avengers. So I can see this so working good. out well. Yeah, so, yeah. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. So let's you go. You guys just built the hype, man. Now I'm really chomping <laughs> at the bit. That's so exciting. Um, we did have a question in the chat oh, yeah. um, about, like, do you have any comic suggestions um, to read or watch or anything to kind of get to know some of these characters better? Oh, Ooh, uh, original Thunderbolts run, I would say, yeah. uh, with Marcus Bagley and like, I forget who wrote that. But uh, yeah, the original Thunderbolts run, you should check out. Um, and Busiek, I believe. Right. Yeah, I it, was Kurt, I think it might yeah. have been Kurt Busiek. Yeah, um, Busiek. Uh, yeah, but uh, that one from the 90s was like, that's the quintessential beginning. And it's a fun one. That's like the first issue reveal that mm -hmm. they were villains that caught everybody's surprise. Because Marvel tried to market these as like yeah. new heroes and everybody was like, who the hell is Citizen V? And like, who are these knockoff characters? <laughs> and you got to the end of the first issue and you're like, oh, and like, yeah, so that's a good one. And each time they rebooted the team and did like a launch, I think it's good. The I think the King in Black one was really good. The Thunderbolts uh, yeah, one that, that uh, brought Kingpin in as Matthew like, Rosenberg's yeah. Thunderbolts, which is the most recent. Like if you look for most recent, it was like three issues. Yeah, and it and I thought it was great. It actually really captured. Plus, it got me hyped for some characters. I mean, having Rhino in there and Star and some other characters. Like this is one of those very Suicide Squad like franchises where you can throw in yeah. typeface. Like you can throw in random heroes and villains, Stilt Man, and m one of my personal favorites, Big Wheel. Like you can throw all those in Cardiac. and just have them get killed. He is not B-list. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? He is an A++ list character that is underutilized. Uh, but yeah, I, I think those also, I really liked, and I mean, this was kind of, we had Thunderbolts during Dark Reign. Yeah. And I thought that was actually really fun, too, because it was really playing into the hero thing because all the other people were gone. So they stepped in in their place and you had some of that same feedback. So I would say some yeah, of that and, as well. And yeah, just like I think we'll mix champions and young Avengers into one thing in the MCU, Dark Avengers and Thunderbolts is already yeah, something I you agree. can mix into one thing. And that'd be great. All right. Somebody asked in the chat, when Miss Marvel? My answer now. All right. Miss Marvel. <laughs> so let's talk about Miss Marvel. Uh, Matt, take the floor. This has been your, this is your girl, Kamala Khan. Besides Captain Marvel, this is like the one you, I see you kind of murk out over the most. And so now Kamala Khan's in the MCU. She's here. Was it everything you hoped for, Matt? It was. It was everything I hoped for. It's so fun. I love this show so much. But, you know, this all rests on Iman Vellati's performance as Kamala. Like you, she has to work. Like that character has to be the one that is endearing and, and gets you to be empathetic and all those things and really sucks you into the show. And she does. She's amazing. But like it's all these fun little sequences in school and like her and Bruno, like there's just some really fun stuff. The Avengers Con stuff was very fun, too. I thought they played into the, like, like it's a great way to work in Easter eggs. I, you know me. I'm not like the biggest like, oh, my God, I spotted a acorn that looks like the thing from issue whatever like i don't care no, <laughs> but you hate that leo dicaprio man. but it's cool <laughs> but it's cool to work it into avengers con because it makes 
sense. Like yeah. you can, all the shirts they did. So there's just a lot of fun stuff in here. And I gotta say, I know we talked about it on this show previously and we'll get into it too as, because I feel like episode two, we really have a lot to talk about there as far as the powers, but just on, as they touch on them here, I think I'm, I think I've, I've come around and I, and I actually really like the way they've implemented the way she gets the powers here. I actually like the family connection. I like that stuff. Again, I don't want to go into too many things for episode two, but we'll, we'll talk about it then. I just, man, this show is just so, it's great, man. It captures that character so well. This is great. Yeah. Marvel's done YA stuff before cloak and dagger runaways, but never with this kind of amount of like, I would call this infectious and Iman Vellani is like you said, a major reason why this scene that we're watching on the screen right now, the guidance counselor is like where I watched it the first time in the screeners. That was a scene that really made me endear her to me when she's just sitting there and she's doing the thing like, and she's like, do I have to figure out my whole life now? Yeah. And it's just the way she kind of like her mannerisms and the way she plays is she's just so for a new actress, she's so good with like comedic timing and things like that. And just, yeah really selling in it helps that she is a real fangirl in real life but like yeah just mm-hmm. the exuberance of like playing somebody who is a marvel fan in some ways they do a smart job of taking kamala khan who would be the easiest for people to distance themselves out from and saying oh i don't understand this you know brown girl from jersey and her and her muslim culture and all this but making her feel like any one of us as fans right and kind of making that connection with her best friend and all of them like seeing them nerd out and do stuff and prepare for, for conventions and make costumes. It, it's easy to put yourself in that place if you're ever a Marvel fan who's gone to Comic Cons or on any of that stuff. Like, you know, you, you are Kamala Khan. And so they do a great job of doing that while also building a kind of cultural world around her and from both Jersey City and to her identity as a Muslim and like all that stuff and making it feel lived in and real and not just hey, here's our Muslim character. Like, you know, like it's really well done. And yeah, it's just all kind of combined in the first episode for an episode that has little to nothing to do with actual superpowers yeah. for most of the runtime yeah. is pretty miraculous that so many people came away enjoying this, uh, just which is just kind of a, you know, for better lack of better words, a talky world building episode. But there are fun flares, like just having her riding a bike in her neighborhood and her imagination and kind of expressing yeah. it through the buildings and the drawings and the buildings moving and all that stuff is just really good. And like you get fun stuff that they've kind of picked up from things like Ant-Man, like doing sequences, mm-hmm. like her imagining how their Comic-Con heist is going to go <laughs> so good. Heist versus like the reality and all that stuff. And yeah, it just makes it a lot of fun. And watching it a second time, I picked out so many more like little details and yeah. just things that they do in this episode like the bike scene where when they get on the bus and she's like it's not gonna be there when I oh he's like you think it'll be there he's like it's a jersey city (laughs) which is if you've ever lived around jersey city newark new jersey anywhere of those outside in new york things like yeah no (laughs) somebody i'm surprised they didn't have somebody like come by as the bus was pulling away and And take oh yeah <laughs> I'll be like maybe, and then be like, that's oh, great. because that's really really happens. Um, like, yeah. Before I before I roll into something else, Janelle, what do you think? Oh gosh, I just I mean, you guys nailed it. You described everything perfectly. So I guess just honestly relatable and so much better than I even expected. I had high hopes for it, but it was just really 
I was afraid it might go into like CW land. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and it did not feel that way at all. It felt like high production. It felt like um, the creators were taking so much care with every single moment. And the fact that she is such a fangirl, I like look up to her. Like I admire her. I'm like, oh my gosh, she knows her Marvel content. <laughs> like as an actress that, or as a human being outside of her role that I'm just like, how can you, how can you not love her? Like I love her as as who she is off screen and then of course i love her on screen too so pleasantly uh lived up to my expectations and kind of went beyond honest i can't wait for episode two because for sure and they did fine by it but what you said like there wasn't very much superheroing yeah and they still managed to have my full attention so yeah i think one of the things that helps this series is that it's incredibly authentic, not because of just yeah. how it's portrayed, but because of the people making it, right? Yeah. It's, it's people of a culture making a thing about the culture. So it, it rings yeah. true because it is. Yeah. And we talk about this with Beautiful. some of the creators and things like that, right? It's There's just a lived-in quality amongst the family stuff here that feels genuine. And if you're, you know, even from a different culture, right, you can kind of go, yeah, I, I have my own twists on that, but I can, it still feels real. Yeah. I can put my own experiences on that. So I think they did that part really well because the family is in a lot of shows and a lot of, with a lot of characters, family can be involved, but it's not necessarily critical. Yeah, and in Kamala's absolutely. case, they are, they they really are a kind of a tangential part of her, of her character and her life story. So it's awesome that they got that right here. And even like the, okay, her dad coming in, I was as a, as a dad, I don't know if you felt this way. <laughs> I was crushed like with him. Aww. I was like, dude, that was not smart. That was not good. Like it was not a sound decision you made to, to do this and think it would go over well. However, I'm still crushed for you because I see my daughter doing the same thing to me at some <laughs> point about something. Yeah, I was about to say, it happens. yeah, my kids are older now. Like my kids are four and about to be seven. <laughs> like this happened, this is like my daily. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's gonna happen. Just, <laughs> you'll be okay. From just trying to give them meals that I almost want to kill them because they won't eat meals. And they're just like, no, oh after I've God. made like an entire thing um to just like yes things you're excited about to them just being like i don't want to do this yeah it was just what (laughs) it hit me hard man (laughs) and then you just start thinking of uh the multiverse and alternate lives you could add it's a whole thing you'll see it's all thing yeah you'll see but uh i felt for the dad i was just like yep and he had the right reaction he's like f this you ain't going (laughs) that's what you you deal with your personal disappointment very good. I was like, uh, right cultural step here. Oh, we but got uh, it. no, I agree. Like, um, even the subtle things we don't have to like hammer on, and they do it throughout the episodes. There's more and more you get to see of her world, and just some of the things that they they push against and everything about Kamala being a young woman of today, mm-hmm. still in this culture where her brother kind of has much more freedom and authority to her. To like, there's a mosque, and we won't get into all that. But uh, yeah, it's very well done. Um, for people saying like this wasn't uh, for them, I mean, again, I was like the biggest skeptic yeah, about were, this man. and it is good. And I think what Janelle said is also really true that we don't highlight enough. Marvel didn't just make a, like a superhero series. They actually put production in some ways. This looks better than a lot of the other series because yeah. Marvel put the budget and the creativity into making like an actual blockbuster teen coming of age. It movie. feels like its own show and not just, Oh, it's MCU show. Point. Well, I'm saying it looks even better right. than a show. It feels yeah. like a teen coming of age movie. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. It, it has its own aesthetic. And so <laughs> yeah, I feel so like it's beautiful. Comes good work. Good work. Marvel. All right. So we're enjoying Miss Marvel. 
All right, we're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we gotta talk. Oh no, we got more Miss Marvel. Yeah, we got we got more Miss Marvel. Oh yeah, let's get to that. So uh, we got to talk with uh, Aman Valani and uh, Sana Amanat and Kisha B Ali. Uh, The um, sorry, Bisha K Ali. I don't know why I flipped those. Uh, We got to talk to them, and we kept this just. The episode one center stuff, just a fun little uh, montage of stuff we talked to them about. I cannot wait. There's something that we talk about for episode two that we will talk about next week. I am very excited because I had to geek out with them about it. But uh, check this out and uh, come back to us. Hi, Iman. Hi. How are you? Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Um, is it true that you got the news of the casting on your last day of high school? Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So what was more surreal? That call, your first call with Brie or putting on the suit, the Miss Marvel suit for the first time? Or is there any way to like stack those against each other? Yes. Kevin Feige tops everything. (laughs) 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 That call was definitely the most surreal. Um, And then probably Brie and then, and then the suit. If I were to rank them, we also get to see Kamala's like ability to to put plans into action. I know they don't always go smoothly, but like the the action, the commitments there. You know, are you looking forward to the day where maybe she gets to lead her own team, some secret warriors, some champions at that? Is that something you would love yes. to do down the line? Yes, she does lead the champions basically in the comics, so she has that you know innate leadership skill and. Uh, I, I would be more than happy to take on that role. I think the champions would be really fun to see in the MCU. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, I know, obviously, we talked about being such a big Captain Marvel fan. I know you're a fan of the character as well. What do you, you know, want to see most from their dynamic down the line that the comics kind of captures? I, I think that mentor relationship is is quite nice. Honestly, just having, you know, your superhero older sister look out for you. because. I mean, that's how I kind of feel with Brie. You know, she she definitely took me under her wing and she understands how incredibly intimidating and scary all of this can be. You know, it's a it's a very unnatural position for any human to be having yeah. your face on billboards <laughs> and, and people knowing them. And uh, yeah, she she just wanted to like prep me for for these next couple of years and, and shared her experiences of filming and, and what gets her through and how to take care of herself. And I just hope Kamala gets all the same treatment. Hi, Bisha. How are you? Hi, Matthew. I'm very well, thank you. Uh, it's lovely to meet you. I'm immediately obsessed by your background. I like, want to know every single <laughs> Funko Pop that you own um, because it looks thank like you. the behind of this camera that you can't see. Um, amazing. <laughs> it's so lovely to speak with you. I love speaking to collectors. It's my favorite thing. Hi. Oh, that's amazing. It's wonderful to meet you. And congratulations on a great show. Uh, oh, I've had the chance you. to see two episodes and they're fantastic. You know, just kind of starting from the top, what was the biggest challenge of adapting Kamala and her world into the MCU? And what are you most proud of? Um, I think the biggest challenge is always that there's a piece that's uh, not a challenge, more like a puzzle that I, and I love puzzles. Like I'm a gamer, so I love fixing things and putting things together and solving things. But the challenge is um, the story that we're going to tell fits into the larger fabric of like a decade of on-screen storytelling, this big web of storytelling that is the MCU. And how do we keep the show um, its own and special and unique and so specific to Kamala, but also like get those pieces in, connect it all up and like live within that um, that channel that we have that is also ever changing because suddenly a schedule changes and that means something different for what people know in the world. So you got to change things in your show. 
So that's like a moving part that like I like swear down. I think it could change so in the next few weeks. Who knows? I mean, it's I think it might. No, I'm just not on word, but it doesn't happen. Um, but that's that's I think one of the challenges. But for me, it's my favorite kind of challenge. And I think the thing I'm most proud of is just being a part of this. It feels like um like I yes, I have my vision, but then so do the directors, and so does Sanaa Man, and so does Kevin, and so do. Every single every single writer I had the privilege of bringing into that writer's room and working with, like the, I feel my best when I'm in a writer's room. But when writers are sharing their ideas and sharing of themselves, and also what this comic means to them, it's like I don't know. I'm a very emotional person, but that means so much to me to be a part of that and to be a part of Kamala's journey to screen and a part of this moment. Um, yeah, it means the world. It's really, it's a big deal. It's great. How are you, Sana? Hey, Matthew, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for taking the time. Of course. Is our boy James still there? Viscardi? Yeah, he's still here. <laughs> oh, tell him I say hi. No problem. Will do. Um, well, you had said previously that, you know, this was Miss Marvel was such a great fit for, for TV and for a show. And it really does suit it so well, at least after seeing the first two episodes. What about the character and the world kind of makes for such an easy transition? And what was the biggest challenge in kind of adapting Kamala and her world of characters into the MCU? I mean, I think the, the comic book so naturally translates like to live action because it's such a, you know, obviously comic books are of course visual, like, like, uh, you know, like cinema is and live, like live action is, but there's something very um, bright and vibrant about the comics that we really wanted to capture. And I think it was a lot of fun to capture. And um, I feel like we were most excited about that. And, and, and of course it was also a challenging thing to make sure that it felt, you know, um, fun and cool and interesting, but also not overly, um, but, but, but not so far removed from the MCU that you couldn't believe that she's going to run across the river and potentially, you know, uh, go hang out with, um, who's left alive, uh, Thor. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I was like struggling. I was like, wait a minute, who do we got left? <laughs> um, uh, so, so I think that, that, that is, was, was overall the creative challenge of just kind of finding that balance between style and, and, um, some of the more realness of the MCU, if I can say that. Well, and you know, I think also there was, there was a lot of talk around the powers and, you know, I know it was kind of a group decision, just kind of seeing like how her power set fits within the greater MCU. And I, and I think the show did a really good job of finding a nice halfway point because you get to play with some of the things we see in yeah. the books, but it fits within this kind of specific framework that is different was that kind of the goal for finding that spot oh abs absolutely actually we had earlier iterations where and i haven't told anyone this hmm you're getting it first we had earlier <laughs> we had earlier iterations um where the powers were a little bit more um like limitless and this is just in early talks of it where not limitless but she was able to kind of manipulate and and create things any kinds of like kind of light energy and it just didn't mm. feel right to me. It felt like I'm like, we still wanted to make sure we had that, you know, comic book connectivity for sure. Those visuals are really important to us and um, bringing in those in big and fists and those in big and legs and kind of playing with that aspect, which was really fun and how like the powers were morphing and distorting her body a little bit in strange ways. I think we're just a nice little homage to the comics and yet we're evolved 
Um, so I do think we had that that touch that touchstone. And then at the same time, I think evolving the powers from an origin standpoint that so was linked, I think, more closely to her heritage is quite strong. You know, I think it's an important message in the context of what this show is all about and what Kamala's story is all about. And so um, we kind of leaned into that and we leaned leaned into that. And um, it also was sort of a marker of things to come in the MCU, which, you know, you'll see more of in future things that I can't talk about. <laughs> Hi, Iman. Hi. Now, if How you are you? Thank you so much for taking the time. Here at Comic Book Nation, that was Matthew Aguilar bringing you scoop for all you Marvel fans. For us, just one aspect of what we do here, getting those Marvel scoops. <laughs> Other shows make it a whole thing. We make it just one aspect of what we do here. That'll do it. Thank you to the cast and crew of Ms. Marvel for sitting down and talking with us. I know that was a dream come true for Matt. And we try to make him, you know, give him little perks here and there so he sticks around and works even harder. It's very good. Uh, so that was one of them. Thank you, Matt, for doing that for us. We are going to take a break. But when we come back, we got to hit what happened on TV this week in The Boys and Obi-Wan. We've also got to talk about new comics this week. So stay tuned for all of that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to... Comic Book Nation Season 4. Forgot the name of our show for a second. <laughs> but that's who we are, Comic Book Nation, and this is Season 4. As I said, when we came back, we uh, we already talked about Miss Marvel on the TV front and gave uh, our reactions and our talk with the cast and the crew. But, uh, of course, Geek TV is back strong, so Miss Marvel was not, wasn't even the only thing on its day that we had to watch uh, on Wednesday. So Disney Plus is now in this kind of double-up flex that they're doing between Marvel and Star Wars. So Wednesdays are both Ms. Marvel and Obi-Wan days. So we talked about Ms. Marvel. Let's talk about Obi-Wan episode four, which has kind of turned out to be the more divisive. I didn't expect this one to be the divisive episode, but it was strangely <laughs> so enough. So much back and forth on this. Yeah. Um, and I reviewed it for comicbook.com. And what I'll say is Obi-Wan episode four is, if you know anything about anime and my anime fans out there, this was clearly a filler episode. Uh, I know it's made to look important, but it is a filler episode because mm. there's nothing that really happens here that you couldn't have done like in another episode easily. And it kind of makes the whole thing from episode three and Leia's capture at the end kind of a weird momentary problem that gets solved in this. That said, it is one of the better filler episodes I've seen done. And this episode was clearly heavily affected by the COVID mandates. There's a, I mean, the biggest guest star in this episode is long Imperial hallways. Um, and basically long, empty Imperial hallways. And we're going for a shining vibe. Uh, that was I, good. I mean, I know you and McGregor did the shining sequel, but uh, 
<laughs> this is what, I mean, the main star of this show was. But I mean, again, this was all clearly <laughs> set up from the Imperial hallways to like Tala being in that empty kind of station. <laughs> this was all COVID mandate soundstage stuff. I get it. Uh, but yeah, it was a filler episode. But and I think of what some fans are reacting to is not the episode in itself, which was still entertaining as a rescue mission. I mean, Mandalorian built a whole season two finale off a rescue mission. So I think what people are just beginning to react to is the, the anxiety of what's not going to have time in this Obi-Wan series with just two episodes left. I think the people who came to the series thinking like, we want the dark Logan character study. We want to see him searching through the force and learning the force ghost and doing all this stuff are beginning <laughs> to realize like, I don't think this series is going to give me everything that I personally want. And it's going to be more of this kind of larger adventure with Leia and all this stuff. Um, but you know, I mean, at a certain point you got to let go of your own preconceived notions and just take right. what, what, what's in front of you. And like I said, for a filler episode in a six episode series, you know, you're going to get one. Uh, I yes. think this was better, definitely better than like episode two. So, which was again, kind of the same thing, but much better done, much better and on much better scale. And a lot of the photography and shots Deborah Chow it's had gorgeous. in this one are, were really gorgeous. See, I'm like, flipped. Yeah. I think this was better than the first episode. Wow. I like two and I like two and three the most. Three is like there's oh yeah, yeah three, is, three the is the best. But this is I like this probably as much as I liked two or uh, yeah as much as I like two. I was riveted. Like I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. I thought they built tension within the small moments so well. There's so many like when she's going up and like she has to stall for time and Obi's trying to make it through the hallway, <laughs> the haunted hallway. There's so many, even like they made seeker droids. I've never felt such tension from like a droid before. They, they made True. them feel like a real threat as opposed to like, oh, that's something I can easily cut down, no problem. Yeah. And that's what they're doing in the series overall is kind of making the Empire really feel like the oppressing threat that they are. I think they're doing that really good job of that throughout the whole series. But here, man, I was, and look, I know part of it is that Little Leia is adorable. She's she's precious. Nothing should happen to her. <laughs> how dare they? How dare they threaten her? And like the interrogation scene was like, I I uh, I just want like I want her to be safe at all times. So the stuff at the end, right? When we get the hand, like when they're just like, all oh, that stuff is I eat it up with a spoon. So I'm very much this episode was awesome. I came away just like on a high. I even tweeted about it. And, and then Charlie hit me up as like, what, you didn't like this? Like, you won't like this episode? We get into a whole conversation. But so yeah, there's a lot of conversations going on about this one. <laughs> I understand that you're right. It doesn't, like when we get to the end here, we're kind of back where we, where we were, I guess about midway through episode three. So I totally, under, like that makes sense. I still loved it. And I, w I don't get the hate, man. I don't, I don't get the hate. This episode ruled. <laughs> I was so into it. Janelle, what do you think? I think that it's very hard to have an opinion when we're talking about Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I, I've kind of reserved myself to stop tweeting about it and stop giving it any kind of criticism or love because no matter what I do, I get backlash. And I think that like Star Wars fans need to take a deep look into themselves and like just feel love and positivity and maybe do some meditation and realize that the force, like what you love is based on like 
meditation and chill. <laughs> and like, and so I, I, it has really left such a bad taste in my mouth that I, I'm not really enjoying the show anymore. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'm not really enjoying much Star Wars content because of the fandoms that have been very targeting. And, um, and I think that it's important for me to say that because yeah. someone came at me and they were like, you need to go on the internet and listen to people's opinions about Star Wars. And I went, I am actually one of those people that gets paid <laughs> to have an opinion on the internet about Star Wars. And I'm still receiving myself? this. Does that qualify? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was like, wow. So honestly, it's very hard for me I get that. to really be into it because I, if I didn't have these outside sources, I would probably be eating this up and love it. And I said it on my stream the other day. I was like, it's really such a shame because Kofi is such a super fan of Star Wars and his energy and excitement for it and being on this podcast has really made me like really invested and, and much more into it. But yeah. on the flip side, some of these people <laughs> on the internet have really soured the taste in my mouth for it. You're asking and ended up as an inquisitor. Get, yeah. get, get control of your people. Yeah. All right? <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I don't it's know just... if you've seen Star Wars, but the whole point of it is the dark side's always out there. <laughs> How do you maintain the light as a Jedi master? I watch Doctor Who and Marvel and <laughs> other Janelle like Paul's Drag Race. In, Janelle would have been leading the Inquisitoris. She'd have been like, "Yo, you know what? I, I just enough give of up. Flipping, I would just be like, moving side. on. There's so much more content everywhere that I can enjoy freely and and find like love." in united like, united with love in it just gotta embrace the light don't let the dark side drag you. <laughs> i'll it's keep watching but i'm i'm no longer going to tweet anything about Whenever it they which come up to be toxic all it. i do is put up my hand and close my eyes and imagine like <laughs> grogu, grogu on. look here, here's the thing grogu is like the ultimate tranquility like I look, I have a Grogu pop and I just like, oh my God, that's amazing. But it's a, in, in all seriousness, it is unfortunate that that happened because I, I saw that pop up on, on your Twitter feed and stuff. Yeah, and I was like, that sucks. It, it really sucks. Star Wars is scary. I'm not going to lie to you. I have to write about Star Wars and Star Trek a lot. Uh, oh, poor they're baby. They're both scary. And, <laughs> yeah, but Star Wars is much scarier. Yes. If you make a single mistake and there's always some little thing from some little book Yes. Book, <laughs> I responded onto someone else's tweet. And they're like, you didn't know this. And I'm like, oh my God, bro. Yeah, Star Wars can be uh, really exhausting or even right. It's about, just but, not uh, worth it to me, honestly. Uh, I, hey, Sorry. that's that Inquisitor talk again. I'm telling you, this is how we get. Reva's <laughs> I don't out even there. know what an Inquisitor is, so there oh, we go. Boy. Oh boy. See, now you just got a whole <laughs> new thing of Star Wars. Yeah, okay. I'm going to leave you to your fate. Your fate is in the dark side. It belongs to the dark side. I've been now. really enjoying I'm like Star that future Trek. Gift. Boom. <laughs> I was gonna say, see, she's been enjoying Star Trek though. Yeah, so have. maybe you now have an ally. Yeah. Now we just Star gotta Trek get is, Hey, Star Trek is all happy vibes. We we happy vibes. I over do there. like the Star Trek. So now we just gotta lately. get now we just gotta get me to watch Star Trek. Yeah, I'm you've got one. to, man. It's insane it's that great. you do not. I mean, we're off the show right now, but it's insane <laughs> that you do not watch Star Trek. I know. It is. It's insane knowing what you love and like how much goofy stuff you love. The Power Rangers. <laughs> if you love Power Rangers, how are you not like the biggest Star Trek? Like even like you should love even Enterprise and Voyager. Deep Space Nine. You should be like a Deep Space Nine encyclopedia. It's insane that you have not watched Star Trek. This is something we need to work on. <laughs> Str- here's the thing. Strange New Worlds, though, all that talk has 
got yeah. me interested. You I do want to watch Space it. Nine and the original Next Generations. You should. You should be. Okay, I watched the Next Generation. That's the only one I'm familiar with. Yeah, you should watch Deep Space Nine now. You'd you'd really love Deep yes. Space Nine. All right. Anyway, that's not what? on our agenda today. The boys are, is. Yeah, we are the one-stop <laughs> shop for all things geek culture. So let's keep it moving. Uh, the boys, episode four. Uh, we're not going to go too deep because I know it's Friday and a lot of our listeners probably haven't had a chance or some of yeah. you saved this for Friday night, you sick, sadistic people. But uh, Friday night, yeah, yeah, I'm just kidding. But uh, I mean, I'm not kidding because if you see the boys and especially even this episode, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're at home Friday night doing this, I got to question what you're doing. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about it. The Boys, uh, episode four this season. Um, again, another episode that could have been, you know, filler episode, arguably. But this episode, I think the boys and we talked about this on another podcast show I was doing uh, that you can find out. How out there. But, dare uh, you? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like the only person. Raise your hand if, you, if this is the only thing you stream during the week. On your own live stream. Uh, raise your hand. This is the only live stream you do this week. All right, then. Let's keep it going. So, the boys, uh, episode four, as I was saying, you know, it's questionable whether, when I was having this debate, whether the boys should be episodic or a binge. And some people were arguing about, a friend of mine was arguing about a binge and how he kind of wishes it was a binge watch. But I said the boys has played it smart more so than any other TV show of making sure there's something every week that we're gonna, that's gonna be trending yeah. in every episode. And this episode is certainly no shortage of things that could be trending. Um, yeah, Karen Fukunaga has a sequence in this that is pretty intense and yeah. There's a lot of just adult toy sales promotion in this episode <laughs> of The Boys, uh, but uh, both for traditional use and non-traditional use. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of that in, yeah. I mean, the show just keeps you talking and it's crazy in the best way. And I like this season so far and I like where it's going. So uh, that's all I'm going to say. What about you guys? Yeah. Janelle, what do you think? Yeah. I, gosh, the boys, I'm just having a blast. It's really nice to have the boys back because it just shakes everything up a little bit. Yeah. You know, Marvel content is really sweet. It's just, it, like comparatively is very sweet <laughs> and like easy watching. And then, you know, the voice comes on and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> Tony, Tommy, is it Timmy or Tommy? I don't oh, remember. Timothy. Timothy. Oh, Timothy. Poor Timothy. That was the, that was the hardest. I had to fast forward. Well, I couldn't watch you that know, part. The boys got a PETA award for that because they used the CGI octopus and PETA was very happy with that scene. So. God, that scene, that was hard to watch. That was, it was very hard to watch. So R.I.P. Timothy. Yes, oh, but God. great. Great yeah. show. Moon Knot, between this and Moon Knight, it has not been an easy spring summer for aquatic life and TV shows. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, this, this show, I always watch this last. One, because it obviously comes out Fridays, but even before that, I used to watch some things like in the morning, so it would be fresh in my brain. No, no. I watch Boys as its own thing. It's the last thing I watch because I found after, especially after those first three episodes, those first three episodes have enough in them, enough disturbing stuff in them. <laughs> and like, now you watch the trailer, it's so funny because now you watch the trailer and you have context for certain moments, like when Homelander's on the cot, and you're like, oh, that's so wrong. And it was weird anyway, but now it's like really wrong. I will say Mother's Mother's Milk continues to be like one of my favorite parts of this. Series. Yeah, he's really good. And, <laughs> he's, and I love that they're giving his character. More. He is so great. He grounds everything to this just 
it's someone he's struggling with this. And even though he's like really happy go lucky now that he's back with Butcher, he's still having these, you know, he wants to be there for his daughter and all that stuff. Like he continues to be just one of my favorite parts. Also, the A Train stuff continues to surprise me. How much that's the one part of the show yeah. I could do without. I think just I mean, I like it, but I well, I, I could always I know do without it. Come back and maybe something. Right. Pager, but I just hate him as a character so much. I do too, but that's yeah. that he's so good at it though. Yeah. And <laughs> and I love this stuff with his brother as we continue to keep getting yeah. going down those. So yeah, I think he will end up having the biggest Especially arc. with the surprise death. I mean, in the yeah. episode, like, yeah, I hate A-Train right now. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes But at least now I'm compelled in some way. Before, I could have just cared less. I was just like, yeah. oh, he's cool. Fine. But I didn't really care. Now yeah. he's he's actually making me in episode Care. four has what I could only describe as a douchebag fight that is really, really hilarious to see two <laughs> douchebags who can't fight trying to fight. Yeah, it's really hard to talk about this show yeah, without yeah. going to spoilers, but we don't want to because no. it's just so fresh. Right. So, yeah, yeah. But the douchebag fight I loved. All right. So that is the boys. And, you know, we're going to stay on top of this. Mm, no pun. But uh, moving right along, let's get into comics for this week. All right. So first up, we are starting with the thing we've been leading towards, I feel like, for... Months now, Dark Crisis is here. Ba ba ba. Dark Crisis number one, uh, written by Joshua Williamson. And as we learned coming in from Road to Dark Crisis, this is DC's Dark Crisis. Yes, this is DC's Dark Crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, as we learned, kind of coming into this, the Justice League is gone. We're now trying to deal with this world that is without them. But what surprised me most, and by the way, spoilers are incoming for these books. So, because I am going to get into this kind of the to me, this book really picks up in the second half because it was one thing to have this kind of, oh, the world is without a Justice League. What are we going to do? Having, Con uh, I always want to call him Connor, having Jonathan go and go, I'm just going to make a new team. I thought it was really interesting because then you get the Black Adam thing of like, okay, no, it's not, <laughs> it's not that easy. You can't just slap a bunch of people together. Yeah. But the team itself is amazing because it's like, it's just, it's a, such a random group and like the, I love that he goes to some of the people you would assume like Yara, right? He goes to her, he goes to some other people. I got so excited. I was so lit. I know, I know. <laughs> She's like, nah, nah, dude, I'm, I'm good. But like Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, they always want to be in it. And I just love that that is an, we're seeing so many different ways of dealing with this void that is left by them. I just like the different approaches. Hal is very much being probably the most enjoyable version of Hal and admit it, he's very much just being like the pragmatic, like, look, they're probably not dead. We got to figure this out. I don't buy it. Right. And he's like, I'm going to go figure stuff out. Then you have black Adam. Like it makes sense that like Hal wouldn't trust <laughs> black Adam. Like not everyone's sold on his kind of whole rehabilitation thing. But then the second half kicks in and you're like, okay, if the league was gone, someone's going to step into that void and go, now's my chance. And it's, and to have it be Deathstroke makes all the sense in the world. And for him, it's just like, it goes from one to 10. It's such a quick span. And like all the villains just attack Titan's tower because it makes all the sense in the world. You hit the next generation of heroes. You hit all these legacy heroes. We wipe them out. 
we're good. He's hated them anyway. He's hated the oh, yeah. Titans forever. That's the fr- I mean, yeah. it's the only thing. I mean, as soon as he went there, I was like, yeah, that, that's Death Stroke. Like, that's yeah. the first thing he would do. It's just like a very logical Parents are gone. Step. He's going to go kill those Yeah, he's going to take. And he t- I just love that he has like a giant army, <laughs> army outside. It's just that part, I loved how it ramped up that. And we're getting very logical steps for all the characters. Sometimes you get these events and people start making decisions that feel like they just wanted an interesting plot point. Here so far... It's a very big event, right? And we can talk about the end, which then kind of, you know, puts the thing out there. Okay, well, are they really dead? Well, yeah, let's talk about that because I'm glad they're doing that because I think it would be just so naive and disingenuous for DC to really try to sell this as the Justice League is gone, gone. Yeah. Gone, 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 gone. They're gone forever. Like none of us would ever buy that. Like, Like at this point, we know that's not real. So it's good that it's a part of the story yeah. because I don't think, I think it allows us to really lean into the real focus of the story, which is the next generation stepping up. Even if this you know, older generation isn't gone, it's about can the next generation step up yeah. and do the job, which is in all, whether it's anime or superhero media, like, or the combination of both, like My Hero Academia is a major theme in, in kind of storytelling now is you know, the older generation's aging and like, mm-hmm. you know, people like me and you who are becoming parents and it's just like, can this newer generation who we all think are crazy <laughs> YouTube obsessed softies, like, can they actually step up and do something is a major anxiety in the world. Yeah. So like, it's an interesting story. And I like to see DC taking it on because it was, it, it does make things more relaxed and allow you to settle into the story. And it was then better for me to enjoy like Jonathan Kent thinking he can make his own Justice League and seeing the hilarity <laughs> people just being like him being like, dude, you're not Superman. Like, yeah, yeah. Like basically, <laughs> just a backhand shade of like, they didn't say it, but just being like, mm, you are like, mm, I'm not following like you. Yeah. And then the whole thing at the end about like Nightwing and who the true leader has to be. Yeah. Like somebody actually, somebody's still going to follow. You can't just be like, I'm also now Superman. And people are like, not going for that. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, what it is to earn that respect and have that title and being an examination of the Justice League is interesting in and of itself. So I don't need them to be a real death. And we know it's not. Plus, it's a better two-pronged story to see this big cosmic thing that's happening with Pariah and then just on Earth with Deathstroke. And you know we like simplicity to our big, heady stories. And the Deathstroke stuff is blessedly simple, like you said. Like, I got a villain army. I just came out of a Lazarus pit. I'm going to, you know, F S up and like, you know, here we go. I've always hated you. And now's my best yeah. shot to take you. <laughs> take you None out, of yeah. your protectors are here, you know, so it makes sense. Janelle, what'd you think? Yeah, this was a beautifully done comic. Like it was really beautiful to look at. I loved the bright colors. It was engaging. I didn't keep checking like what page I was on. So they clearly <laughs> had me. Um, and a couple, I mean, you guys have said, you've said it, you've nailed it. Um, but a couple of the comments uh, people are saying is they, uh, who, do you think John and Nightwing are going to butt heads over who should lead? No, we got that. Was it that dark prelude to Dark Crisis? Oh, or yeah. Flash Road, 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 yeah, Road to, to dark. dark Crisis. Yeah. That started off very purposefully with that story. And we discussed it here of how interesting it was to see Jonathan Kent and Dick Grayson paired up instead of Jonathan and Damien, which is how they yeah. usually go. Because Dick Grayson is the like eldest son of Batman, while Jonathan is the eldest son of Superman. And really, those are the two successors to who would become mm-hmm. Batman and Superman. And so I don't think so. I think they did that in Prelude to Dark Crisis to set up that this is going to be a true Batman-Superman foundation where instead of Bruce and Clark kind of being frenemies in that weird way, like Dick Grayson and Jonathan Kent will support each other and be yeah. different. And Dick yeah. will be a major support system for him 
as Batman in helping to get him up to Superman level. Yeah. And he's already That's done cool. it. Yeah. He's already done it, right? Because he's already done it with Damon. Because he's yeah. been Batman. Yeah. And he was robbed of more time as Batman. But like he's been Batman. He's Damon almost looks at him more like a father figure than he looks at Bruce because of that time. Like that's why they still have that relationship even after all the other stuff that's gone down. So it makes perfect sense that he would be the one to kind of, he has the respect in the community with the Titans, with the Bat family, with everyone outside of like, everyone knows who Nightwing is mm-hmm. and they and they trust him implicitly. And that's, that's why. So yeah, I love that they did that as opposed to doing, I love Super Sons, by the way. So like the pairing of Damien and John is always awesome. Yeah. But I just like this as far as like if you're doing successors, yeah, it makes it makes all the sense. Um, That's cool. So yeah, I, I really adore this. Uh, so yeah, let's move on to our our next book here. Uh, we're gonna move into Thor number twenty six. Talk about some fun part. Yeah, this is the second to last uh, part of this of this story, this banner of war. And uh, this was man again. <laughs> this this book is so just ridiculous and i and i absolutely love it it fits everything with the characters it's just big and bombastic it looks gorgeous but they always find a way to then hook you for that next one and just turn it a little bit twist the thing a little bit differently and the stuff here between like banner and odin is great like that's actually been kind of my mvp of the last two issues but here we get a setup for another big fight and it's again they're just doing such a marvelous job of blending storytelling and actually telling you a story you're connecting to with these big, giant superhero fights. And they're doing such a good job of that. Yeah. I, I love this. Banner of War is one of my favorite crossovers I've seen in years because it takes that classic like Marvel character conflict and Hulk versus Thor is so like, not new. It's been in the comics, mm-hmm. it's been in the cartoons, it's been in the MCU movies. Like yeah. We've had this, right? But this story makes it in, I forget who's writing Thor right now. Who's? Kate. Oh, wait. Oh, uh, sorry, Thor. I thought you meant this. Yeah. Uh, Thor is, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I'm blanking. Why am I blanking? I'm blanking right now because all I can think of is Donnie Cates as well. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so Thor, whoever's writing Thor right now, both of them, both Thor and Hulk are in this new kind of status quo space where Thor is, you know, Odin's dead, but put is, his spirit is in Mjolnir and Thor is now king of Asgard and Hulk is now, Banner has achieved this, you know, starship Hulk format but also given rise to this titan persona so they're both in these interesting new status quo places and i think the real genius of this crossover is that it highlights both characters their new status quo and makes both interesting even more interesting because it's not just them fighting it's starship there's a bunch of stuff going on with starship hulk and with thor as this fight's happening and as we've said week to week it's some of the most fun it's just what's going on inside the starship hulk thing inside banner's head where like now Odin invades and it's like, yo, what the hell is going on up here? <laughs> like, you gotta get control of this thing. Like, and because yeah, Hulk is taking, yeah. What's that? Kate's writes both. Oh, so Donnie Kate's is writing both. Yeah. Oh. So okay. it took me a minute. Yeah. I was like, that's, yeah, that's why we're tripping the one. out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there, that makes sense. We've just been seeing his name so much. We just, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. And so, and while, you know, Thor is re- having daddy, literal daddy issues as Odin is trying to take control of him and like control this fight. And now Odin and Banner have teamed up. And yeah, the outcome giving, it's just basically, I wrote this up, but just trading powers, right? Yeah. So Hulk, so Thor becomes a Hulk. Now Hulk has the powers of Thor and now we get to have this fight again, but from the reverse direction. And, yeah. it's, and it's just so much, it's what Donny Cates does best. These crazy, big, bombastic ideas, but still so 
such control of the characters and the character dynamics that it feels kind of still intimate and interesting as a character arc. So yeah, great stuff. And I can't, this is going to be an awesome trade for anybody. Who oh yeah, yeah. This is going to be so fun. Yeah. Uh, Janelle, I know this has yeah. been one of your favorite, this has been one of your favorite books over the last few weeks. I it love it. <laughs> I, it's just so fun. And I just, I love, I just love the perspective. I love everything. And I love the way that they're revealing things. And, um, yeah, I just love them together. You guys say everything so perfectly that I never know what to add on, but <laughs> they just do a great job. The, the, this has been such a fun run to watch and to read and to experience. And I, I like that. Uh, I like that in Marvel and kind of in my comic books lately. So, yeah, enjoyable. Really good. Well, we only have one more issue, which is sad. But, I know uh, that makes me bummed. Yeah, but I'm still, I agree with Kofi. I think this is going to be collect very well. Oh, yeah. um, we'll move into it. I'm just going to tackle something really quick. Uh, Aqu Aquaman Andromeda, because I said I would. That's <laughs> number one. Dub, DC Black Label. This is Ram V. I have loved the Justice League Dark stuff that has popped up. And now we get to see this, his work on Aquaman. This is a very different issue, though, than what I was expecting. Because there's a lot, like, this is very much a, a number one. So there's a lot of setup here and there's a lot of establishing the world because Aquaman's actually not in it all that much. I still really found the stuff interesting because it essentially is like them finding, they're going to this place that's like very deep under the sea. That's kind of just this place that forgotten things go. And it's kind of got some event horizon vibes because like there's this very special ship and there's this crew assembled and you're kind of oh, meeting the crew. I'm saying not in don't execution, not in execution, because I can't make not that, that judgment movie. Yet. We don't speak about that. I love that movie, uh, but not in execution yet, but it's, it has vibes. So some of that is really interesting. And then the Aquaman of it comes in. It's gorgeous. There are several parts here, especially towards the end where it's gorgeous. I'm, I'm interested to see if we can really kind of get things moving in issue two. So I am intrigued and it is a beautiful book. Uh, but it's not like the, I wouldn't say it's like a must read. I'm kind of hoping for issue two to come out and make it like, oh yeah, that's the thing that hooks me. Uh, so let's move into our last book, uh, The Poll Winner. Thank you everyone for voting as always. And Poison Ivy number one. Poison Ivy getting her own her own series here. And this very much surprised me uh, by how, I, didn't, I honestly just kind of hadn't, this has kind of been off my radar a little bit. And G. Willow Wilson tackling Poison Ivy. And I was just like, oh, well, that's probably going to be good but I didn't know much kind of going in and this surprised that I honestly at, at parts, it almost felt like a black label book. It kind of had that vibe. I don't know. Um, so it's just very interesting to see kind of where poison Ivy is in this post, how her powers are, how she's adapting to things and kind of her main mission. It's just very surprising. And it's just incredibly well written throughout. I was, I was riveted. There's not a ton of action, but the stuff that happens, is very intriguing, but it, again, it kind of feeds into why she's doing it. That that's the most interesting part, and also the looming threat of like who is probably going to come and try to halt her from from doing that. That stuff's really interesting. So I, I don't know. I thought this was really good, but uh, you know, what do you guys think? I am still digging through this one, so I'm not going to step in. Okay, and, and, and get it. I had to read a bunch of stuff this week, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm still digging, digging through this one, but. You know, I, I like Poison Ivy, and so far it is it is a different take than I thought mm -hmm. it was going to be. I wasn't obviously I wasn't enthused to like at first to open this up, so I dragged my feet a little bit. But I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I should have. Yeah, that's interesting. Janelle, what do you think? 
Yeah, I I was very intrigued by this. It it's beautiful. Um and I really am on her side. <laughs> so she's I think she has a great point. I I I'm starting to kind of identify with her more as I learn more and more about how much we're abusing mother earth. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like on on poison ivy side and I love her destroying people the way that we destroy the world. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, there you have it. Janelle, <laughs> all about that eco-terrorism. I, I would say that I, she is one of my favorite villains right now, or like, you know, anti-heroes, whatever we're looking at at the moment. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I respect it. I, I respect yeah. it. Yeah, I love it. She's cool. Uh, but, but that's comics. All right. That'll do it. Uh, Matt, we have a special announcement this week. Yes. So uh, this Sunday, if you couldn't get enough of us here, well, there's a chance uh, that you could hang out with us a little bit. We're going to do a fun uh, fan hangout on uh, Zoom this Sunday at 8 p.m. CST. So I will go ahead and share the link and everything out uh, after the show later today. So if you want to just come hang out, talk about all the things we talk about here ask some questions, just chill and talk about movies, TVs, and comics. We're going to be there. Unfortunately, Janelle does not, is not going to be able to join us this time, so you will have to settle for just me and Kofi. However, at some point in the future, we will totally make that happen. <laughs> you have to settle uh, so for, yeah, the so I, for the comic experts. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. Fan hangout. Guys, for our Comic Book Nation community, I know some of you guys sometimes do this for our uh, sister show, Phase Zero. But uh, yeah, me and Matt have been... Uh, Dragging our feet on this for a oh, good four seasons, <laughs> 23 episodes. But uh, yeah, we're going to donate some time Sunday. And so if you're one of our regulars, we would love to just kind of hang out with you guys on Zoom, talk, have you guys, because we love we're reading your comments all the time, but we obviously got to do the show and we can't always get back. But if you guys just want to come, yell at us, pick up any grievances you've been saving for four seasons, yeah. talk about the things we've been talking about this week and you know share your perspective with us. We just want to meet you guys, hang out, talk, and kind of get this community uh, a little tighter knit together since you guys are always here supporting us. So we thought we'd just donate some time and, uh, you know, shoot it with you guys. And that's what we uh, plan to do this Sunday. Like Matt said, 8 p.m. Uh, Central Time, which will be 9 p.m. Eastern or 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time. We're going to have a graphic and a oh, yeah. reminder. We'll socialize all this. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see you guys there. Yeah, you can know. You can do my grind, my gears. I see you in there, Damon Street. <laughs> you have to tell me everything about. Yeah, I'll be taking notes. Personal improvement is. Uh, yeah, you guys. Oh I, I fear no criticisms. Like I said. Oh, I no. just grow grew that situation. Use my Jedi. Keep myself Love just it. centered on the light side. Well, you brought but, everything uh, full circle there. Yeah, That's centered on the go. light side. That's Where'd how we go. Do. But uh, that'll be this Sunday, so please come hang out because if it's just me and Matt yelling at each other over Zoom, it'll be pretty much how this whole podcast <laughs> yeah, started say, anyway. That's a, that's a Tuesday. Yeah, that's just how this whole thing started. <laughs> but uh, all right, we will see you guys hopefully Sunday. And if not, we'll see you next week. This is Comic Book Nation. Peace. Bye, Peace guys. Is.